1: Welcome to the Spirit to Go with Brother Rod. Tonight we continue our series, Mark My Word. We are in chapter 9 and 10. I pray that everyone had an opportunity to read chapter 9 and 10 prior to Bible study. Um, that'll give us a heads up on the Bible study. But nevertheless, we are going to read it tonight. Uh, for those of you who had an opportunity to get the outline, um, you have chapter 9, chapter 10's outline. And what the outline does, it pulls out the meat of our Bible study. So Um, As you know, um, again, tonight, this is the Spirit to Go, chapter 9 and 10, titled Mark My Word. And first, you know, as we always start our Bible studies with Romans 10 and 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God and he raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's our key verse to salvation. It's our goal that everyone be saved. Um, If you need more information about that verse, get in contact with us as we continue joining with your new relationship in Christ. Amen. Now, so mark my, my word. What's that about? Well, the book of Mark, right? So we we got the four Gospels, but we are studying the book of Mark. And our foundation verse for this study is out of Galatians chapter six and seven, which says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap." So he goes on to say, do not be deceived. And why does he say that? Because that means that at some point we will be deceived. But God says, listen, do not be deceived because the enemy is going to try to deceive you, right, and tell you the opposite of what I'm telling you. But he says, don't get it twisted. You know what he means? God is not mocked. Don't try him because whatever you sow, you will also reap. Amen. So you will reap what you sow. So if we sow into the spirit, we'll reap of the spirit. We sow into the flesh, we'll reap of the flesh. But mark my word, whatever that you sow, you will reap. So we can do a self-examination of ourselves and say, man, why am I reaping this? Why am I having this situation? Or why am I reaping this? Oh, this is great. Maybe if I check what I'm sowing, I'm just reaping what I'm sowing according to God's word, and God's word is not to be mine. Or be deceived, but amen. So, mark my words. Listen to this. So, we go through Mark My Word, and we're seeing what Jesus is explaining to the disciples. Jesus is going through healing, he started his ministry, he's going out, he's teaching. Uh, he let them know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, repent, um, turn to Christ. You know, you need to be saved. That four. These are the things we should do. This is how we should walk in Christ. This is how we should serve. So all these things that we are learning and we're studying God's word and we need to hold everything that we are learning and hearing according to God, marking God's word, that it will come to pass. So again, tonight we start in Chapter 9. So what's big about Chapter 9? Chapter 9, we're getting ready to get into a place. It's 16 chapters in this book. All right, so we are... Two starting out two books over halfway there, and so now tonight signifies where God will have His, where Christ will have His last stop on His journey of ministry. So now He's on the way to Jerusalem, and these things are going to take place. Now we know prior to chapter nine, there was a lot of healing going on. Um, there was a lot of miracles that were performed, and there was messages, and there was uh, uh, meaning in all those miracles and all the things that were taught and performed. We know up until this point. Uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are just trying to, to find fault in Christ, to try to get him on something. But they have yet, um, even through all of their tests, um, had an opportunity to get him on anything. All right. So we open up chapter 9 with Jesus transfigured on the mountain. Um, verse 9, um, chapter 9, verse 1 says, And he said to them, Surely I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present. Uh, present with power. Present with power. Verse two. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and led them up on a high mountain, apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow. Such a no longer of earth can whiten them. Right. So there was nothing on earth that could make this white white as white was. Amen. So verse 4 says, Then Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So Elijah and Moses appeared to Peter Christ as he's transfigured on the mountain. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, is it good for us to be here? And let us make three tabernacles one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a, and a cloud came and overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son. Hear, whom, hear him. Suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with them. Verse 9, Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they have seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So, kept, so they kept the word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant, and they asked him, saying, why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? Amen. So now we're in a part of the story where the disciples go with him. Actually, it's three of them. And they go, and they're afraid because it, the transfiguration was so mighty, and, and Elijah was there, and Moses was there. If you look in your notes, I'm like, okay, about what? Like, what were they talking about, Like. Why do what that conversation was like? So those are the things we'll get the chance to ask once we get there. Like, you know, so what was happening? You know, hook us up with that info? But nevertheless, you know, some say that Elijah and Moses were there, they represent the old testament saints. Um, the law of Moses, the prophets was Elijah. Saints had been, you know, dead and translated. So now we're here in verse twelve. Um, and um and they asked him, saying, What do the scribes, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And then he goes and explains to them in verse 12. It says, Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah comes first and restores all things, and how it is written concerning the Son of Man, that he must suffer many things and be betrayed with contempt. But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, and it is written to him, right? So therefore, uh, the cloud opens, God says, this is my son. He acknowledges Jesus as being truly the son, his begotten son on earth, so that those may hear and witness that God has proclaimed who Jesus truly is. Right. So then he goes and says in verse 20, he answered them, in effect, indeed, it is true that Elijah must come first. But more important, immediately the question is that, don't the Old Testament scriptures predict that the son of man who endure suffering treated with contempt, Um, as far as Elijah is concerned, Elijah did come in the ministry of John the Baptist, but men treated him exactly as they wanted to, just as men treated Elijah. So the death of John the Baptist was an advanced token of what they would do to the son of man. They rejected the forerunner, which was John the Baptist, so now they're going to reject the king, right? So we go forth, and as a boy is being healed in verse 14, right? So here's here's another miracle that's going to be performed. Verse fourteen says, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, the scribes disputing with them. Immediately, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him, and asked the scribes, "What are you discussing with them?" Right. So the scribes are talking to the disciples, and Jesus goes to them and confronts them, and says, "Hey, what y'all talking to them about?" Now, knowing that he knows, so when God asks a question, it ain't like he asking. To, to, to figure out something that he don't know, right? So that we know from learning. Verse 17 says, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. So it's a type of spirit that we're talking about here. So you bring the spirit to the spirit. What do you mean? Well, if this is Christ, which it is, Jesus, so we're talking God, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. So the spirit is brought to the spirit. So he said, "Then one a mute spirit was brought." And verse eighteen says, "Whenever it sees him, it threw him down. He foamed at the mouth, gnashing his teeth, and became rigid." So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they couldn't do it. He said, "Now these are your disciples; they follow you, and the things that you do, they should be do. But you went here, so you know, I went to them. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, they got the power." Verse 19 said, he answered and said, oh, faithless generation. (laughs) So it's amazing how even though one person comes to him, he's speaking to him as like, I'm speaking to everyone. And it's amazing. Let's continue to read. He says in um, in red in your Bibles, verse 19, we're in chapter, Mark chapter 9, um, verses 19 says, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed and foamed at the mouth. Verse 21 says, So he asked his father, How long has he been have, have this been happening to him? Not like Jesus didn't know, right? Stay with me. And he said, From a child, from a childhood, right? So that's a long time. And of ten, he has thrown him, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, so the father says, since the child, this has happened. It happened so much he's been thrown into fire. He has, he has thrown him into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, fire your water, can't do it, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Why, the compassion brings out that, that place in the Lord that prevails, that catapults our help. Why you say that, Brother Rob? Because you will be amazed how many examples in the Bible, if you look back, where there was tears that were shed, where there was a uh, Tears and pain and cries that were made, and and it compelled God, His passion to move. So, therefore, verse 23 it says, Jesus said to him, If you can believe anything, if you can believe, all things are possible to Him who believes. So, hold up. So, He said to Jesus, "Jesus, If you can do anything, what Jesus said was, You can do this. Yeah, I know what I can do. That's why you're bringing him to me up until this point. You don't know, have me, I done done it. So people are talking, oh, yeah, Jesus coming through, he can do it. But Jesus turned and said, Listen, I know what I can do, but this is what I want you to do. He said, If you can believe, teach, I'm trying. <laughs> so he's saying that same thing to us. We're like, Lord, if you can do, Lord, you know if you can do, Lord, if you can do. Lord, I can do anything all things that you know, but this is what I need you to do. What's that? If you can believe all things are possible, to who? Him who believes. Not just one person who believes, but to he, him, her, anybody in Christ that believes, it can be possible. Now, it's in red in the Bible, so it's not just my words, it's the Lord's it. so it should mean a lot to you. And this is what I love about when the Lord speaks, and Sister Chandra know, and those know who faithfully come through the Spirit to go, this is one of our key words, immediately. Verse 24 says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I would, I believe. It's a semicolon. Why? Because it actually ends a sentence, but it's a continuation. But that's all you need right there. So that's what I'm coming telling us tonight. Whether you're applying for that job, whether you're applying for healing, whether you're applying for a miraculous relationship to be restored, whether you're applying for a breakthrough, all you have to do is say, Lord, I believe. So when you pray, don't just go into, I, you ain't got to say a whole lot. You can just simply say, Lord, I believe. Here's the key, and believe it. Why you say that, Brother Rob? Because the next thing he says is what? Help my unbelief. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus. Church. Tabernacle, Teach. what I'm trying. Because here's the thing, what I love about this verse, and I always tell a lot of my friends who know me personally, is that I think this is one of the, one of the powerful verses in the Bible, that's why I'm staying here so long, It's because we all have that unbelief even when we believe. So it's just an honest statement to, Lord, I believe. I just need a little help my unbelief. <laughs> he said, Lord, you can do all things. Have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. He said, you know I can do anything. He said, well, I'll tell you what. Why I believe, can you help me with my unbelief? <laughs> can you hook me up with a little double? Hear my son, truth. Help me with my unbelief. You know, two things at once. Amen. All he said was, I believe. Amen. So it's powerful. And the compassion of the Lord, watch this. So in verse 25, it says, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit.'" So this is a type of spirit. And he calls it out as well I command you, right? So this is God speaking. So we hear Jesus being God, right? So now the Trinity is in place. We're talking about the God, the Son, and the Spirit. So he said, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. And if it's in your Bible like it is in mine, it has an estimation mark. He said with some force, he said with some command. Right? So therefore then the spirit cried out, convulsing him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him, probably, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind of this kind can come out nothing by nothing but Prayer, you back up, reading too fast. 29, so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting, right, which is powerful. Um, So here's the thing. It wasn't that they couldn't do it, that they couldn't cast it out, that they couldn't perform that miracle or that healing, that casting out. It's just that they didn't believe that they could do it. So Jesus loves that All you got to do is believe. And this is after they done tried. But but then he goes and tells them, says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. Now, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where, you know, these things that we are, are asking to be delivered take a little more than, Lord, I believe. But it takes a little more. Even Jesus said, this kind. So we're dealing with kinds and we're dealing with types of struggles and strongholds, right? Lord, I believe you can deliver me from incest from, um, morality or, you know, drugs. or, But it takes a little more said, so, one well, brother Rob, What did it takes? Sometimes it takes fast. Right. So it was that it wasn't that they couldn't do it. They didn't believe they could. Then he goes ahead in verse twenty-three and verifies all things are possible if you believe. So all they even had to do is actually believe. Right. So we're going to go to verse thirty. Jesus again predicts his death and resurrection, and it says, "Then they departed from there and they passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it." For he taught his disciples and said to them, the son of man is being um, being betrayed into the hands of man, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise on the third day, but they did not understand his saying and were afraid to ask him. Um, So our Lord visits Syria, Philippi. He he passed through Galilee, a trip that will lead him to Jerusalem, which will end his uh, ministry of teaching um, on earth at this point right? He decided for his public Sorry about that. Sorry about this, you guys. I think I lost uh, connection for a second, but hopefully I am back in and you guys can hear me. Uh, that's a small disconnection. Amen. So we were at um, where were we? Uh-huh. Where were, we? Where were we? We were uh-huh. at nine and thirty. So good. Uh-huh. Good. And uh, the enemy can't stop what we're doing. And I ain't going to blame it on the enemy. We're going to blame it on technical difficulty. All right. So we're back at it. All right. So then they departed from there, went through Galilee. And so now they headed to Jerusalem, right? Because this is prophecy being fulfilled. Um, and, and, and Jesus just, he's hitting that way. And he's explaining to him that this is what's going to happen. And I think what's getting them, we'll have to ask, is that they're still not understanding that term the son of man is being portrayed so they're like who is this who are we talking about you know so i only right because mainly if we was at that point too, we also may have those questions those thoughts like lord we're rolling with you but we we don't get it right but it become clear as we press forward right so okay so so they don't understand They, they they got their thing going on and they're afraid to ask him and uh, the Bible says, but they did not understand. They were afraid to ask. him, You know what I'm saying? So hey, here we go. You know, in relationship Here's Jesus, but you scared to ask. Him? You know what I mean I don't know how many of y'all in the place where you scared to ask about something? Man, they would be sound stupid if I ask. But you know, hey, this is Jesus. You should be ask me anything. But hey, only rightful so. So the Bible let us know that they were, and and it shows here. But and and this is the enemy at at play, right? Because why? God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a love, peace, and a sound mind. So God does not give us spirit. Here they are with God, they are with Jesus, and they are afraid. How so? You know what i saying? Because the enemy is at play. Even when you're with Jesus in your best time, the enemy is right there in play. You could be hallelujah, praise the Lord, Lord, I thank you, and you can just one second later be like, curse word or, you know, uh, afraid or scared. He's like, dude, you were just doing so good, <laughs> right, because the enemy is at play, right, because he knows what's going to happen, and he's trying to prevent and forget that. Like, even so much, right, here's the disciples with the Lord. He took time out. What you mean? He sacrificed in time to spend with them. So even at this time, and he's taking time to spend with them, look what happened. Verse 33 says, then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, "What was it you disputed amongst yourselves on the road?" Again, it's not like he don't know. But He's asking them, "You guys were having a dispute. And what were you disputing about?" Well, here's this: what happened, right? Remember, the enemy is at play as we read this. But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed amongst themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called his twelve, and said to them. If in it, <laughs> this was amazing. Now, no one said anything, but he could tell them what they was talking about. How powerful. So that's the same thing we do. God knows. So you might as well go and keep it open with him. He says, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and serve, and a servant of all. Let me repeat, say it again. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be the last of all, and a servant of all. Then he took a little child and uh, sat him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. Good stuff. What do you mean? Jesus, knowing what they had argued about, gave them a lesson in humility. Because they want to know who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be first. That's all selfishness. That's all position. People want titles and position. It happens in the church. I'm just being honest, right? But Jesus gives them a lesson. No, he said to them, the way to be first was to volunteer, take the Lord's place of service, and live for others instead of yourself. Because sin is selfishness self-indulgent nature. So now they're having a self moment right here with Jesus. He had this them, hey, I know what's happening, right? But that thing about that self ain't no joke. It will hold you down from everything that's for you, right? So here we go. So he explains to them, listen, in order to be first, you must serve. So we got to get our serving up, and that's what we're doing next year, and I enlighten you guys on that later on into the season. And he says, you know, receiving these little children innocent, humble me as one of these is like receiving me and receiving the Lord. So that's how we have to come. Verse 38, Jesus forbids sac- saccharism. Now, John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him because he does not follow us. So there they go again with that us thing, that selfishness, that's the enemy. Oh, you can't do that because you ain't with us. We the click. <laughs> like it's amazing how we still have that thing, same thing going on today. Follow us. Oh, he ain't with us. He can't do this. So now you want to be a follower. So, so what's the real reason? But I love the way Jesus answered. He says, verse 39, but Jesus said, do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. So if it's truly a miracle performed in the name of the Lord, no one, according to the gospel, can after performing a miracle or doing something in the Lord's name, speak evil of him, because if so, then he's not of the Lord. Oh, that's so clear. I love it. Let's keep reading. For he who is not against us is on our side. Mm. If, he, if he ain't against me, he would. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, as surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So verse uh, 42, Jesus warned against offenses. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a milestone was hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If, you hand, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life's lane rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Wow, where the worms do not die and the fire is not quenched, and if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life's lane rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never quench where their worms do not die and their fire is not quenched, And if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm does not die and the fire does not quench. He says, listen, sin, self-indulgent nature. If one of your body parts will cause you to sin, it will be better you not have it than to go to hell's up Bad place," he said. A "Matter of fact, the fire don't even go out; it never quenches." He said, "And the worms they never die." He's like, "That ain't what you want." <laughs> he said, "I'm trying to tell you how bad it is. You would rather have this. You would ever have no feet, no hands, no eyes, right?" Here's the thing the man wasn't teaching false doctrine, living in sin. He simply did not join up with the disciples, and that was okay. Uh, the hand might suggest our deeds, the foot, our walk, and our eyes, and things we crave. These are potential dangerous spots unless they are dealt with severely. They cannot lead to internal, uh, eternal ruin. And all he said was it will be better to sacrifice the use of the organs than to be dragged down to hell by their abuse. Amen. So last thing, verse 49 of chapter 9 says, For everyone everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Amen. That is pretty straightforward, right? We ought to be seasoned with salt. For everyone will be seasoned with fire. That means to be tried. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt to have flavor. Amen. For the trials, the sacrifices, and the seasoning, right? So chapter 10. Chapter 10 starts um, title Marriage and Divorce, right? You said, wow, marriage and divorce in the Bible. Yes, it is. And uh, we had a discussion earlier today. And um, I, I'm just giving us a pre uh, opening is that uh, Matthew, Luke, and John give more detail explaining marriage and divorce. Uh, Mark, not so much, but he gives us enough to address what's about to happen. Um, because an issue arose where in the region, they was asking him um, about marriage and divorce, and the Pharisees are still trying to get him on the law. But Jesus had just cleared us from the law, right? He said, now that I'm here, you are clear from the law. You no longer have to live under the law, but since you guys hold the law so dwelling um, to heart, let's talk about it. And let me school you on what you're supposed to be a specialist in. So now we're talking... Marriage and divorce to start chapter 10. Verse 10 says, Then he rose and from there he came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan, and multitudes gathered to him again. And as he was accustomed, he taught them again um, because he was accustomed to teaching. It was in his heart. He's a teacher, right? Amen. So therefore, he says in verse 2, The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And The Bible let us know that they were testing him. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Now he's talking Old Testament. He's talking Moses, but now we're in New Testament. So He's asking them in reference to the law which Moses had given, which was given where? Who from who? By God. It wasn't Moses' law to give. Moses received the law from God. Moses gave the law. um, God gave the law to Moses. Moses gave the law to the people. To live by. So they said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to, to miss her. Right? He says Moses permitted that. But what did God command Moses? But Moses goes and permits to them. And Jesus answered, he said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Mm. So, God is specifically breaking this down and said, Listen, the only reason why a certificate got given or written or given permission to divorce your spouse is because the heart is of your heart that Moses wrote it. But, he says, But, ooh, I love it. Watch, he corrected and took him back to before Moses. He says, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. That's Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Not leave his father and mother and be joined to his husband, her wife. Right, beginning. Even Jesus said nowhere is mentioned he and him and him, her and her. Depressing. To be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they no longer two but one flesh. So he's quoting scripture here. But so even Jesus is reading the Word of God to the people. The same way Pastor said, read this, and same way I'm sitting here teaching you. Jesus used it. So if Jesus is following the Word, so we doing the same thing. on. But this is it. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Right now, listen. He says, "Quote." So then they no are no longer two, but they are one, husband and wife together are one. He said, with that being said, therefore, that means prior to, according to what I just said, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So God put us together, so we can't let man separate us. What God has put together, let no man separate, according to the word of God. According to Jesus. Watch this first ten says, In the house his disciples also asked him about the same matter. So he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her or against him. If a won but at this time, um, traditionally it was usually the man that divorces the the, the woman based on position in the region. In the narrative of where we are in by Bi- in the Bible so that's why it says that to go deeper right But we understand it the Bible says whoever divorces his wife or husband and marries another commit adultery against her and if a woman divorces her husband he dresses it and marries another she commits adultery that's good right there so we won't do? We're read. I love it because it says, and if a woman divorces her husband, so he speaks to both sides of the party. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. This paragraph shows Christ's concern not only for the sanctity of marriage, but also for the rights of women. Cassandra gives to women a standing and honor not found in other religions. So that's huge. And we'll dwell on it a little more. But that's the test, and he gave an answer. What God puts together, let no man separate. And that is, uh, is it lawful for a man to divorce his spouse, his wife? Amen. Right. So Jesus blesses the little children, verse 13. Let's keep pressing. Then they brought the little children to him and, and that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them But Jesus. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them. So they're feeling themselves, right? they rebuking children from coming to Jesus. He just, in the last chapter, held the child in the hand and said, listen, come to me as one of these. But they ain't getting it. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the answers. Now here comes the test. And when when the test comes, you fail. I just told you, you're not listening. <laughs> you gotta come to me as one of these. But they fill it and so, say, Oh, they ain't with the group, who gonna be first? And like the same thing happens today. And that's the same way the Bible says that he was greatly, not just a little bit. He was greatly displeased with them. God be greatly displeased with us when we get to fill ourselves. And that's not what we want. We want to please God. We want to please our father, right? So, but anyway, here's an example. So he was greatly displeased. He said, then let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. He says, surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So he's repeating himself. He said it again. This is how you get in the kingdom. You got to come like one of these. You don't want nobody turning you around. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them. He blessed them. So those who go to Christ, those who go to the Lord will be blessed. We go if we come as one of these. And if, even if we don't, we got to put our um, ourselves at the door that we may ever meet open. And pure as children are young, Amen. Now they'll grow up and then get to talking back and come to food and stuff like that. But let's keep pressing. <laughs> Jesus canceled the rich ruler, and I love this. This is awesome. All right, verse fourteen. So now he's he's addressing the matter of society. He's addressing divorce, right? So it's not just heal, heal, heal. Now it's like, okay, what about this? Okay, well, what about the rich? You know. uh so he said, listen, you want to enter the kingdom, you got to come like a child. But now he's going to talk about a rich young ruler. Can the rich use money to get it? Well, let's see what he says. He says, verse 17, now as he was born out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher, right, he's been teaching, what shall I do that I may enter inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. That is, uh, that is um, God. You know the commandments: do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not, um, defraud. Honor your father and your mother. So again, Jesus quotes scripture, right? He's quoting the commandments, the, uh, the law, and he answered and said to him, "Teacher, all these things I have kept for my youth." Then Jesus said, looking at him, uh, and then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, "Now this is what I love," he said, Jesus. Looking at him, loved him. Right? Love comes from the heart. So Jesus, Jesus, now nah, you done all that. Wow. That is perfect. He said, you know what? I love him. And he said to him, one thing you lack. But no one's perfect but Christ. But the dude was right there. He said, Man, that is perfect. But me being God, me being Jesus, you not that I'm good. So therefore it's a declaration that I am God, because I'm asking you who is good. So Jesus goes and peeks in and gives him a little share. He says, Listen, it's one thing you lacking like though. Hey man, how do you know this? He said, Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. But he, but he was sad at the word and went away sorrowful. So he had great possessions. Wow. But he really loved his neighbor as himself. and so, let him prove it by selling all his property and giving the money to the poor. But that was one of the greatest commandments love thy neighbor as thyself. He's like, oh man, these are five commandments saying that you should love your neighbor as yourself. The man professed that he had kept them from the youth, but he really loved his neighbor as himself. If so, he would sell everything, give it away.
0: But see, the Lord
1: knows. And he missed the opportunity. And then they didn't say Jesus went after him. He just, you know, but he loved him, man. He said, I love him. He ain't just holding on to his so... What is it for a man to gain the whole world, lose his soul? Here you are holding on to rich things and possessions, but you can't take them with you. But God says, listen, if you will give it away, if you will help others with these riches that you have, you will store treasures in heaven that they would never pass away, that it will be better for you, that that is where your treasure should be in heaven, not on earth. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God will remain. But like not, it's not here. It's not heaven. It's not where you're trying to get. And that's when he came to Jesus, like Lord, what should I do to get to heaven? Lord, say all this, do this. Wow, but we miss it because we get caught up in earthly things. Amen. So, verse twenty three says, "With God, all things are possible." Watch this. But this thing we learned prior to this, he says, then Jesus looked around. And said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to their children, How hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? So he's like he asked them a question but giving a statement. He said, "It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? And they greatly astonished Sam. Mondo said, Well, who then can be saved? Because in their mind, they're thinking, rich people definitely get in. They said, the rich people can't get in. Well, who can be saved, Lord? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible. With God, for with God, all things are possible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. In verse 29, so Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brother, or sister, this is reinsurance, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or land, for my sake and the gospel, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mother, and children and land with procession, um, processions and in age to come eternal life. He said, you're going to get the ultimate if you follow me. If you sacrifice and leave that and come to me, you're going to get the ultimate prize, and that's eternal life. But so many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. But Jesus predicted death and resurrection um, a third time in verse 32. It says, now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, and they followed, and they were afraid. And then he took the 12 aside and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. So he said, listen, this is where we're going. And the son of man will be betrayed, which is odd. I, I still don't think they got in at this point to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn um, him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, and they will scourge him, and they will spit on him and, and kill him. And then the third day, he will rise again. They're like, what is this about? Who is this son? And, and they, they go, why would they do all these things to him? But Jesus, after he does that, he continue moving. So then, James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him, saying, "Teacher, we want to, uh, we want you, want you to do for us whatever we ask." And he said to them, "What do you want me to do for you?" Like he don't know. They said to him, "Grant us that we may sit on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory." So they still, at this point, still everybody wants job for position. Everybody want to go on the left and the right hand of the pastor, right? Everybody want that position. So he said to them, uh, said in, uh, verse 38, but Jesus said to them, you don't know what you ask. Then you ask me, but you don't even know what you ask about. And we do that at times. And while the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, because sometimes when we pray, we don't even know what to ask for. <laughs> so Jesus goes and says, you don't even know what you ask for. You are able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? But they didn't understand that, right? They said to him, we are able so. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drank with the baptism I'm baptized with, and you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those whom it's prepared. He said, listen, I ain't even in power to give that position. That position belongs to my Father. But this cup that I drink." this persecution, right, this slaying, this beating, this chastisement. Oh, it's coming because you're following me. And we as saints, we go through it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to come. You're going to drink this cup. And it's that killing that you're going to take to say that I am truly a follower of Christ. Oh, you can do that. But this positioning, this violence, he said, mind it ain't mine to don't belong to me. And when the 10 heard, they began to be greatly displeased, So now they're mad. with James and John, so they just pleased with them. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, so he called and he said, listen, I'll come in a minute. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, Lord, it over them, and the great one exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever you desire to be first shall be slave of all. So even the son of man did not come to uh, come to be served, but to serve to give his life as ransom for many. <clears throat> so Jesus said, even I, that you look to me as Lord. He said, Even I come to serve to the Father. But I'm gonna be the meekness of the meek and the lords of the lords." He said, If those who are considered ruler over Gentiles, Lords over them, but the great ones exercise and their great ones exercise authority over them. It should not be amongst you, though. To become great, you got to serve. He said, you want this position? You want to be great? Well, you got to be served. He said, even I. I'm going to ascend and I'm going to sit at the right hand, of the Father. That we know, right, being scholars ourselves. But in order for Jesus to get to that position, he himself had to serve. He said, Brother Rob, what do you mean? Ever since he's been moving, he's been serving. That's all we've been talking about. He's been going through healing. He's been going through uh, uh, feeding, right? He's been serving. (laughs) So therefore, he's saying, listen, I'm showing you what I'm telling you. And that's what I love about Jesus, and that's what I love about this gospel. Give us uh, two more minutes. Here we go. So Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. Now, verse 46 says, they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And I love that word begging because begging means they were persistent. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, so Christ is telling the disciples, the son of man, the son of man was this, the son of man. So, therefore... Bartholomew is given more insight by God to say, "Listen, not only this is Jesus the Son of Man; this is Jesus the Son of David from the lineage." He says, "As a matter of fact, have mercy on me." Verse forty-eight, because he's begging. He says, "Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out even the more." Right? So the Bible says he got even louder. So he's like, "Nah, I'm gonna cry even louder, and I'm gonna say it loud again." The Son of David. Have mercy on me. So now, up until this point, Jesus has been called the Son of Man, but now he's been called the Son of David. He's like, wow, this is my Father working. So Jesus stood still and he commanded, there he goes again, giving commands, right, for he's God, him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Verse 51 says, So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Then the blind man to him to, to him Rebbanon that I may receive my sight then Jesus said to him go your way your faith has made you well and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road but I love the way that Jesus said what do you want me to do for you and he's specific about it he says Lord I want to receive my sight and immediately That's our word, right? Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So, therefore, once Jesus um, does that thing that we want him to do for us prior to that, but definitely for sure we should follow um, and be uh, gratification. And appreciate of that what he has done for us. Let's pray. Be heavenly Father, Father God, we thank you for this word tonight, Father God. You thank you for allowing us to follow you, to seek your word, to gain your knowledge and your wisdom of the things that we are needing, Father God, to have those things completed in our lives. And as we press forward, Father God, we pray that you make us doers and not only hearers of your word, Father God. And Lord, that we become servants, Father God, as you are a servant, Father God, that one day our name will be esteemed to be great in your eyes and in your words. So, Father God, we go for this place and not your sight. We pray that anything that we commit this week or done un- uh, simply in our heart, Father, to be forgiven that we be washed clean as snow and renewed. So, Father God, we thank you and we love you in all that we do. It's in your son, Jesus,
0: name we pray. Amen.